our elected officials should be a reflection of our population. You know, I'm not the type of woman who votes for somebody just based on gender. But at the same time, we bring a different perspective to the table. And I think it's really, really important. And I've seen that in my experience over the years. I'm not easily intimidated, so to speak. But it can be intimidating for women to get involved. I am so glad that I did. Welcome to Political Contessa. I'm Jennifer Nassor, and this show is here to support your interest in center-right politics, policy, and breaking news. Listen in and discover how to awaken your inner ideal candidate and, if you're ready, how you can jump in and change the world as a runner or a supporter. Welcome to Political Contessa. If you or a friend have ever considered running or you know a woman who should, I've got something just for you. My quick guide called Secrets from the Campaign Trail. It will show you five signs to tell you you're ready to enter the political arena. To get these tips and learn about all new podcast episodes and ways to get involved, head over to politicalcontessa.com. Hello, this is Jennifer Nassour, and you are listening to Political Contessa. Thank you so much for being with me here on this episode. I always try to have interesting guests on. Sometimes they are running for office and sometimes they are just doing something really cool. Sometimes they're politically involved. Sometimes you just have to listen to me. But on this episode, I have on a woman who is running for state representative on Cape Cod. And I figured it's summertime. We should be focusing on beachy areas, fun summer spots. And even though you might not know exactly where Yarmouth, Massachusetts is, I am sure that you have either been to or dreamt of going to beautiful Cape Cod, Massachusetts. So Tracy Post is with me today. She has spent four terms on the Yarmouth Select Board. Again, that's Yarmouth, Massachusetts. It's a cute little town on Cape Cod. She was on the Yarmouth Planning Board. She has been on the Economic Development Committee and many others over the last two decades. And Tracy, I think, will be talking about what her plan is for Cape Cod. But from what I gather, it's a lot of the same stuff that I like. She would like to provide a business-friendly environment, better-paying jobs, and the housing crisis, and basically keep young people on Cape Cod because I have to tell you, as beautiful as the Cape is in the summer, it is very, very, very sleepy in the winter. So trying to, to up the economic development there, which, hey, in 2022, where inflation is soaring and housing prices are soaring and gas is soaring, who does not want a better economic environment? So please welcome... Tracy Post. Thank you, Tracy. Thanks so much for having me, Jennifer. It's fun. I loved your introduction because uh, I love Cape Cod. It's funny that you uh, talk about it because in almost all of my social media posts, I hashtag I love where I live. And having said that, the busy little towns of the Cape are starting to really get busy because today's Friday afternoon and the folks are down and I sat in a little bit of traffic to get home. And I personally am one of the Cape Cutters that love every minute of that because we need tourism. It is our economy. It's extremely important. So I love the fact that people want to be where I live. So thank you for your introduction. I'm 
just really glad to be here and talk about some of the issues that we have here on Cape Cod. And I'm running for the first Barnstable district, which is Yarmouth, most of Yarmouth, the towns of Dennis and Brewster. Those are great little towns. They are beautiful over there. So, I mean, I kind of hit on a little bit of it, right? The economic development part and how, you know, wherever you live in the country, right? There's always some area that's more of a tourist destination and other places that aren't on the Northeast. We have the luxury of having beaches and mountains. And, you know, a lot of our, I know a lot of, you know, the the economic development there and, and around the country was stagnated in 2020, especially going into the summer where things were slower and businesses were, were slow to open, especially here in Massachusetts. So Tracy, you have spent four terms on the Yarmouth Select Board, and now you decided to run for state rep. But in between there... In 2014, you had run for lieutenant governor on, so in Massachusetts, we don't really have an independent, but, you know, people run as independents, but you ran as for lieutenant governor on an independent ticket. And so how did that experience form you to get to where you are today? Well, you know, it's interesting because it was such um, a great experience for me, a learning experience for me. I had the opportunity being so passionate about my hometown and where I live. It's, um, you know, it's like other people, if you're a Mason and you go to somebody's house, you're looking at their walkway, right? So I had the ability to kind of travel around the Commonwealth, Massachusetts, and see how other municipalities were working And so a lot of that experience and knowledge that I took, you know, obviously I tried to see what we could do better. You know, oftentimes municipal government, we don't do a lot of coordination across the board with different towns. Some towns are very, you know, they think within their own minds. So it was great for me. It was a great learning experience, you know, as an independent, I think, uh, you know, you and I've talked about that before. It's kind of hard when you don't really have a home. Personally, I align more with the Republican Party and I uh, changed to be a registered Republican. And, you know, 12 years on the board, I thought change was a good thing. And so I had uh, started to think about my term coming to an end in the town of Yarmouth. But you know what? I'm not done yet. I don't feel like I'm done yet. And I feel the culmination of all that experience that I have makes it the right time for me to be the next state rep for this district. And I want to use all that experience and all that knowledge that I've had to try to really move the issues that we have here forward. Having been on the select board for as long as I have, I really know where, where the issues are. It's not going to be a whole lot of training for me. But as you mentioned, you know, workforce housing and our economy here, it's very difficult when you live in a hospitality world, you know, a lot of retail, a lot of restaurants, but yet our median home right now in 2022 is over 500,000. So it's very, the gap is, is very, very large. So when you talk about people who are in the, you know, the hospitality industry and the service industry, so to speak, you know, that has a very busy 12 weeks. We always try to lengthen our season here, but the income versus the housing, the gap just keeps continuing to grow. So we need to work really, really hard. I know the town that uh, in, in Yarmouth, the town that I'm from, we've invested a significant amount of money in housing and we've closed two schools here over the past, you know, decade or so. And our demographics is really changing. And so when we talk about economic development, we, we need strong year-round jobs for our people to be able to stay and live here. Oftentimes, our younger families are uh, unfortunately taking an amazing resource 
and going over the bridge where they can be more successful year round. So it's, so it's a, it's a challenge and it's a challenge I'm, I'm ready to, to try to tackle. I think the biggest thing is a lot of people see Cape Cod and they think we're a very wealthy community and that's not the case. We have a lot of really working poor. Even before COVID, our local school district here was over 50% free and reduced lunch. So, uh, you know, people don't think of that when they think of Cape Cod. So there's a big disparity there in, in incomes as the working and the second homeowners. And now our second homeowners have come here to stay. So it leaves less of a rental market for those that are in, in need of rentals. Um, just I could go on forever, but it's a challenge and it's just going to be something I'm going to put my head down and, and work really hard with both parties to try to find solutions there's so much to unpack in what you just said. Number one, closing two schools is amazing. You know, number two, I think a lot of people, one, don't realize that Cape Cod does have a lot of working poor. I think, you know, people just assume it is a beautiful summer destination. You go and everyone is beautiful and you have great chowder and fish and, you know, that is like plucked out of the water, which yes, you do. Um, but it's so for you out there, Cape Cod to Boston on like a good day is probably close to two hours away from Boston. So Boston being the major metropolitan city over here. And so for people to move off of the Cape, you also have to take bridges to get on to Cape Cod. And so if you're moving across the bridge and you have to then drive over the bridge, especially at this time of year in, in the summer and the nice weather, it is, you are sitting in traffic. It is a hassle. And when you move your family out of there, that means that it's an aging population. So you have to have more elder services. Your tax base kind of changes because of tax breaks. I think we're the second oldest county in the country. That's ridiculous. Seriously? Mm -hmm. Wow. That's amazing. And, it, you know, it, it's unfortunate because you want to have, you want to keep people, you want to retain people, right? When I was running for city council in Boston, one of my things was we have so many phenomenal educational institutions in and around Boston. We want to retain those folks. We taught them. We want to keep them. We want their talents and their resources to be in Boston. And I mean, I think that's the same for the Cape. If someone grew up there, why force them out? Because especially for a first time home buyer, median price at $500,000 is a lot of money for someone who is just starting out. It's a lot of money for so many people, but especially if you're just starting out with your family. Yeah, people talk to me about a workforce housing or affordable housing. I have a 23 year old. Um, he's a college graduate, he's in the military. He works very, very hard, but he lives here still. It's, I'm not sure, you know, you know, we've been very parochial in our thinking, you know, we have a beautiful place, which is great, but we can do both. And that's the thing. We can have multifamily housing and some apartments, which we don't have very much of here. We have one acre lots. We zone one acre lot. So when you're 23, do you need a house with one acre lot? No, you know, you need a little something to start off with. When you get married and have kids, you can move to the one acre lot. But, you know, our kids go off to college and they don't come back. You know, it's very difficult for them to come back. So we have to change some things. And change is scary for a lot of people because we do love it here. It is a beautiful place, but we need to do both because that elderly population, if we don't do something, we're not going to have the people here to care for them. 
And that's extremely important. Our number one employer here is Cape Cod Healthcare, which runs the hospitals. So that tells you a little bit about, about the need for people to care for our elderly. But they need to, you know, in the healthcare, we're fortunate enough, they make a, a good working wage. But even still, even still, it's hard. Yeah, no, I think that is one thing. So if you turn on the news, right, mainstream media or cable outlets, you know, you see border issues, you see, you know, whatever is going on. The the president the other, you know, this week, last week was signing a bill about transgender rights. I'm like, hey, how about this? How about more housing, quality housing? Again, when I was campaigning, meeting moms who lived in public housing who didn't know how to move out and go on, providing services for young mothers to figure out how to get out of one sort of housing, incentivize people to buy homes because, you know, you and I are around the same age or the same age. And, you know, what we know in our wisdom is you can't buy a bigger house until you buy, like you said, with your son, you buy your first place and it's a little place. And then you move up and you move up and you move up. And hopefully that's the progression. We can't all be the Kardashians. Right? We can't all have $30 million homes and 10 bedrooms. And I don't want to be them either. But no. but I mean, I think there's culturally the, the view of I'm just going to wake up and my life is going to be the life of a celebrity where it's not. And I think it's really important. Just so you know, like these are two Republican women talking about quality housing, right? This is not a partisan it, or should not be a partisan issue. This should mm-hmm. be an issue of just humanitarian, making sure right. that people could live and work in their communities, that we can stimulate business because you're not driving over a bridge with your eyes closed, mm-hmm. which is and the cost of fuel. dangerous. The cost I mean, of fuel cost today of is ridiculous. It doesn't be able to live and work in, in an area. Yes. Um, where so- you can walk to work if you wanted to ride your bike. You know, there's so much talk about climate change. Well, if you're really concerned about that, then have it so that way people could live and work in communities that they could mm-hmm. ride a bike to work if they wanted to, or they can walk to work, but even a bus or a train is so expensive today because of the cost of fuel. And, you know, for us women, that takes a lot of time away from your family. You know, that's another issue that's really important for me and my candidacy here on the Cape. And I'm not sure how it is in Boston, but daycare, the wage. Yeah, it's in it. And it's very, very difficult to find. So when you talk about Republican women and some of my issues, you know, they're not the, the average issue, but they're the issue that are affecting the, the working families here on the Cape. So child care is another huge issue for us here, finding it. Um, that's why I'm a big proponent of uh, universal pre-K, getting the kids into the school, getting the women back in the workforce, giving them a chance. As you say now, pay now, pay later. Education is extremely important for that. It's not partisan. It's about a quality of life in the American dream. When you work hard, you're able to achieve it or you should be able to achieve it. So we need to remove some of the barriers that are in place for people to, uh, and businesses for that matter, to make sure that they can be successful too in providing the jobs and getting out of their way and let them be successful. So it's an exciting time. It is exciting time. I mean, yeah, we talk about the price of gas, the price of food. It's it's really hard out there right now. Baby food, baby formula shortages. And tampons. Um, for tampons. You can't get them. I mean, it's, it is 
the world has gone. I keep saying like, it's like the world has fallen on its access. Like whoever thought that you would not be able to find tampons and people on Beacon Hill understand that they can't get tampons right now? No, no. Well, I mean, okay. So thank you, Tracy, for leading me into my next part. Um, So I'm going to get back to education and the kitchen table issues. But, you know, I mean, look, the fact of the matter is around the country, state legislatures are still roughly 26 percent female. Right. Mm -hmm. So in answer to your question, I don't care what party you're with, Mm -hmm. but when 26 percent of your legislature is female, then these things are not not that there are not men. There are no men using tampons. And if you are or, you know, a man who's using a tampon, (laughs) you need to run. (laughs) There's there's absolutely no man using a tampon. But I mean, there could be double dads that need baby formula for their children. However, you know, that's still like two percent of the population. So or one percent of the population. So on Beacon Hill, we don't have a lot of that. No, but that's why it's so important that women are there when decisions are made and they're at the table. Um, I spent 12 years on a board. I think, um, you know, it's a five member board of selectmen for all but maybe the first year, I was the only woman who served on that board with four men. Our elected officials should be a reflection of our population. You know, I'm not the type of woman who votes for somebody just based on gender. I think, you know, obviously they have to have something, you know, going on there too, in terms of, um, you know, knowledge and experience. But at the same time, we bring a different perspective to the table. And I think it's really, really important. And I've seen that in my experience over the years. As we were talking before about it, I'm not easily intimidated, so to speak. But it can be intimidating for women to get involved. I am so glad that I did. You know, I got involved when my son was, he's 23 now, as I said, when he was like two. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just knew I wanted to do something. I called it my license to bitch, right? Like, so you can't, <laughs> you can't complain if you're not trying to be part of the solution. So early on, I just, you know, I went to a couple of meetings and I'm like, you know what, if I'm going to volunteer, I have to find something I'm passionate about. And, you know, sure enough, right away, I met some amazing people and I sat at the table. I, I learned a lot and you know, I watched and then I wanted to be on the planning board. And again, that was also intimidating because as a woman, I feel like I I felt like I needed to know everything before I got started. And I had to memorize the zoning bylaw. And that's just not the case. I took it as it came. And, you know, I loved it. I really got a passion about it. And then having the interaction with the board of selectmen from the zoning that we did, you know, I used to think to myself, well, come on, this isn't rocket science. How disconnected from reality are you? So, you know, I ran for office and again, they they have the profiles in the newspaper and, you know, I was married to somebody in the military when I was very young, so I never finished college and it's something uh, I always wanted to do, but I never, I never got the chance to do it. So when you see the profiles, when they used to put the candidate profiles in the newspaper, be me against a gentleman, which, which I adore, but he's a jurisdictional law and all these things. And I think, oh, geez, do I really do I really have the right experience of the education to be doing this? And you know what? I do. And that's the fun part. As I sat there and I got more comfortable with myself, I realized that my opinion was just as valuable, if not more valuable, because I was coming from a female position, perhaps. I'm not a big feminist, so to speak, you know, I, um, but I do think that we add value. And I, I learned that over my experience in the years there that, you know what, I do add a lot to this. 
And so as I get more passionate about it, I used to try to talk to other women about getting more involved in municipal government. And it's a scary thing. And number one, and number two, I was so fortunate to have a husband at home that saw my passion and allowed me to follow that. A lot of women don't have that ability. So if you have it, I say to people all the time, visit a few of your local meetings, just go there, just listen and go to a few different ones until you find the one that you really think, you know, this is something, you know, if you have young children, go to the recreation commission. If you're passionate about water quality or, you know, there, there's something for everybody. And I don't think the residents, especially of our town, realize the work that the volunteers do, but just the friends I've met along the way and that you really can't, you can't do that in other places. Like, the people, the eclectic group of people that come together for this are people who I probably would never interact with on a normal basis through my career. I work in construction, but they're from all different walks of life. And it's just, it's it's an amazing experience. And I urge anybody out there who's listening to you and your podcast to really take that step and not be afraid to step in that room and, you know, listen for a while, but find where your passion is and just go for it. Just go for it. Don't be afraid. Because um, you're going to find that your voice is powerful and, and, and every voice makes a difference in creating a community. Yeah. And women make up over 51% of the population throughout the country and it's growing. Women are graduating from law school at higher rates than men. Women are graduating from medical school at higher rates than men. Colleges are now upside down where women are making up more than 60% of college entering classes starting now in 2022. And so as you see that change happen, if we have a representative government, I always believe that it should represent the population, right? So it should be where women are at least 50% of the population that is in Congress, is in local government and is in, um, in state legislatures. And we don't have that. And by the way, going back to something you had touched on, the kitchen table issues, right? The issues of who's going to the food store. And of course, I'm sorry, this is a generality, but it is, it is what it is. Most women are the ones that do the food shopping the majority of the time. Most women know what it is to put gas in the car because they are either driving to work, driving kids to school, driving kids to activities, picking up their elderly parent, their neighbor, doing all of those things. So they are paying more attention to that. Women's networks are also, again, in a generality, but true, our networks are just larger than most men. We become great candidates as a result, as a generality, because, you know, if it's like, you know, some of these crazy liberals that think that we should have a transgender or a transvestite in every school, I don't agree with, and I don't think you should be in office. And so again, to what you were saying, I don't vote for people based on their gender. I vote for them based on their, on what I see with them. But most women are paying attention to the kitchen table issues. They're paying attention to school. They're paying attention to their communities. They're volunteering, even having full-time jobs like we both do, still volunteering in the community, still keeping a finger on the pulse of what is going on. And so we make great candidates. The problem is most women have to be asked 10 times to run for office because just like you said, Tracy, I don't know the zoning laws from front to back and back to front. I'm not sure of this or that, whereas a man generally 
dusts himself off, looks in the mirror in the morning after he maybe or maybe not brushes his teeth. And he's like, I should be president of the United States. <laughs> and, and that's just not what women do. And so I think the phenomenal thing with the pandemic was that so many more women decided to run for office. And in 2018, I was the CEO of a nationwide nonprofit dedicated to increasing the number of women in elected office and on boards and commissions, and bipartisan. And 2018 was the year of the woman. Well, it had been 26 years since the last year of the woman. And we ticked up 3% which great, except that it should be 3% a year, not 3% after 26. And in 2020, we saw more women running for office. 2022, we see a lot more women running for office, especially on the Republican side, nationwide in Congress, we have a lot more women of color, a lot more women with diversity, which I think is phenomenal. I want it to be a lot more women who have rational messages though. I don't want more Marjorie Taylor Greens and I don't want more AOCs. I don't want the polarizing women. I want mm. the women who want to sit at the table like you want to sit at the table and get something done and get something done because you work for the people. Being elected to office is a job of a public servant. You are serving the people in your community. I always say that, though, it's so sad that the word politics has such a negative connotation. I mean, it's it's sad that when you say to somebody running for office, oh, you're a politician, it shouldn't be like that. Politics is about the people. It really is. Just like you said, it should be a good thing. And you know what? We have gotten so polarized because of what's happening on the national level. That's one reason I love the Board of Selectmen, because it's nonpartisan. You work, you just get it done. Why can't we do that at the state, right? Just because it's not your idea doesn't mean it's a bad idea. And that's that's often what happens. But when people stop listening to each other, that's why I love when we talk about, uh, you know, the table, you know, getting around the table and just talking, because that's what you learn. And you know what? You're not always right. That's the crazy part. It's like sometimes when you listen to somebody else's perspective and you learn, you start to see it. But you know what? Either way, even if you could settle for common ground, a little bit of somewhere in the middle, that would be better than nothing. So we need to get back to that. Unfortunately, like I said, we have this whole national thing that I think is, you know, just unfortunately reared its head and people don't want to talk to each other and people don't want to listen. And we need more people that are, like you said, just doing it for the right reasons. You know, there's a lot of people that are in politics for the wrong reasons. And they're there too long, frankly, sometimes. So, you know, they forget what happens. They forget who puts them there. They forget, you know, I'm thrilled, honestly, in Massachusetts that there's a petition coming out to put it on the ballot about giving illegals driver's licenses because our legislature passed that. Is that really the will of what the people of Massachusetts want? Are they listening to the people? Well, we're going to find out. And I'm excited for that because having that ballot question it's going to be great because then they have to listen to the people. We shouldn't have ballot questions all the time because they should be, that's their job to listen to the people. And I'm not, I'm not sure that they did on this one. So we're going to find mm. out. 
Oh God. Okay. So I need to, I just need to go off on this for a second. So no, no, no. I actually, I was on, I was on TV uh, just recently when Massachusetts passed that. So if you don't know, Massachusetts is one of 16 states or 17 states that passed that illegal immigrants could have driver's licenses. Now, whether you agree with it or not, the issue is this. The issue is that if you do that, number one, kids like my kids and your son who had to take driver's ed and then take a road test and go through all of that things, all the natural paths is blown out of the water. And so it's one set of rules for one group of people, one set for another. The number two thing is when you get your driver's license, you're also registering to vote. And that is the problem. And so Mm -hmm. you may think that it's fine and have no problem with it. And, And yes, there are some good things about it as far as insurance, then you have to have car insurance, but track them down. Because if you don't have anything else legal, how do you have you know, it, it goes into other things. So, so on its face, yes, it looks good. You'd have car insurance on its face. It's good because you'd stop at an accident and not be concerned. Of course, if you're illegal and you get into a car accident, I don't care. You're running no matter what, because you don't know what cop is picking you up. The other piece to that too, Jennifer, is the documentation that they're providing to the registry can't be verified. It can't so be verified. I can go down to the registry and say, I'm Katrina from Russia and not to stereotype, but they can't verify it. So I could have multiple identities. Correct. And the poor people who work at the registry of motor vehicles in our state and other states around the country that have implemented this, it puts the pressure on them. It puts the responsibility on them and they are not trained to do this. They, they do not have access to a worldwide database to see if someone is legal or illegal. They just, they get documentation and then they process it. So then you have the issue of the registering to vote. So do you stop everyone from being able to automatically register to vote once you get your license or how do you separate it out? And I think that's what our governor's veto was. Our Republican governor in Massachusetts, who is not a rabid conservative. He's very moderate. The, you know, rabid Republicans call him a rhino and they say that he's a Democrat where he's not. He's very centrist. And I appreciate everything that he has done in the Commonwealth. And he vetoed this bill from the legislature. Now, the interesting thing is so many things in Massachusetts go through the ballot procedure because our very democratic dominated legislature. We've got like, by the way, so Massachusetts has 200 folks out of the House and the Senate and the Republicans make up like 36 of them. And there are like three in the Senate and the rest are in the House. It's actually very sad. I'm laughing because I was the chair of this of this disaster. But, you know, that was many years ago. And I bolstered up the numbers because we were 16 in the House at that time. Um, but it's still very sad. But in any event, it's the Democrats that make these poor decisions. And that is the most important reason why, one, we need to keep seats like the one you're running for, because we can't have any more Democratic control. Two, it's the reason why in blue states. And so you living in a blue state, wherever you are, right, your local elections matter because you need those folks elected that you know that you walk into your local coffee shop, walk into your local restaurant, walk into your local food store that you can go and talk to in your legislature. You need a balance of power 
if you have all Democrats in your legislature, fine. You need to make sure you get good Republicans like Tracy elected to office, and you need to make sure that you have a balance on your constitutional level, whether it's your governor, your auditor, or someone else who's keeping an eye on what is going on. Okay, that is my little public service announcement. But, you know, the ballot procedure here is just a way for them to be spineless as usual. They don't want to have to decide anything. Well, no, it's not that. I think that there's a there's people that are completely upset with the vote that they took. Well, in this case, I'm glad that there's a ballot measure, but most of the time they don't want to deal with it. No, but I'm so well, (laughs) I hope that they wouldn't deal with anything. (laughs) <laughs> maybe maybe we should just uh, decide everything in Massachusetts and every other blue I'm state by ballot. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, there's so the people are upset and hopefully we get enough signatures to get a ballot because I, I don't think that that is the wish of the people. But no. you talk about balance in government. We need balance in government. And here we are. We just talked about the price of gas, the price of food. And this is what they've taken up to debate at this point in time. Right. They've got billions of dollars. The people here are struggling and no relief. But yet we're taking votes on licenses for illegals. What about what about the hardworking Americans that are here? Like, come on, give me a break. Come on. There's none of that. But this is the issue, right? This is the issue that I want women to start talking about with their friends who say, well, what about my right to choose being taken away? What about, oh, don't you feel so sorry and so sad for these people? You know who I feel sad for? I feel sad for my neighbor. I feel sad for the old person, you know, elderly person living down the block. I feel sad for the person who has to work two jobs. When you look at the budgets, whether you're in California or Boston, In Massachusetts, we have done an amazing job because of our Republican governor to have an outrageous surplus. What do the Democrats want to do with that surplus? They're not taking away our gas tax. Oh, no, no, they're not. They want to use it for climate issues. That is definitely the first thing on everyone's mind right now in 2022 (laughs) with gas prices on the East Coast at $6 a gallon. Definitely is the climate. How about... (laughs) put that Keystone pipeline back in and let's see our gas prices go down. It's ridiculous. Yeah. They're out of touch. Totally out of touch. You know, they don't really understand how difficult it really is for people. And, you know, hopefully this doesn't last long because when it comes, you know, diesels at $5 and 80 cents a gallon, that's the same price now as home heating oil. So what are we going to do this winter? Right. You know, I'm very concerned very concerned. And I don't know how women who pay the bills right now, this has got to be the number one issue, right? I mean, be- being able to afford to go to the grocery store, all I don't know how the women aren't getting involved, aren't frustrated. When you work really, really hard and you're trying to make ends meet and it becomes increasingly difficult to do so. And yet, you watch, you know, watch what's going on, watch where the money's being spent, watch where their focus is. They've got to get frustrated. We can come together and really make a difference. We got to, they just got to get mad. They got to get involved. We can change it. We just have to do it. And Tracy, not everyone is able to put themselves out there and run for office like you're doing because it takes a lot. Like you said, you have a very supportive spouse. You have an older child. 
you're more secure in your career and in your world. And a lot of women don't have that because either their friends, their social network doesn't know where they stand politically. They differ from their spouse. They may not be married. They may just not know where to start. You know, so many, so many reasons. However, what I think is always a good way for someone to get involved is to work on a campaign like yours, because there are, you know, out of the entire country, there are hundreds of thousands or not hundreds of thousands. There are thousands of folks running for office right now for 2022, whether it's from Congress on down to state legislatures, you can always find someone nearby of course, in Massachusetts and, you know, down on the Southern end of our state, it would be great if you would go work for Tracy and help her out and make phone calls or go door knock, but things like that are so easy. Mm -hmm. So when I was a kid, I started out in politics when I was 19 and I waitressed at the local restaurant. I also grew up in the town, went to the high school and kind of knew everyone. And so anytime there was a parade going through my town, whoever was running for office would call me back in the day. You had to actually pick up the phone and call someone at (laughs) home (laughs) and say, Hey, are, you know, would you be able to go on Saturday and introduce me to people? And I was always the one who would just walk up with the, you know, whoever is running for office, the candidate walk over to folks and say, this is so-and-so who's running for such and such. And that goes a long way because then you're known as the person who is the go-to person. You don't have to leave your town. I would go knock on doors when I was 19, 20, 21. You know, hi, Mrs. Smith. Oh, Jen, would you like lemonade? No, 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 no. Sit down. What are you looking for? Oh, I need signatures. Oh, hang on a second. Bobby, Sally, Janie, right? And all the kids would come down. The, you know, over 18, by the way, (laughs) would come down and sign for who I was getting on the ballot. And so I think, you know, there's an opportunity right now for those women that we're talking about, the ones who are concerned about the pocketbook issues and how they're affecting their family. And when I say family, I don't mean necessarily your children family. I mean, how is it affecting your older members of your family? How is it affecting your nieces and your nephews? How is it affecting your future? your opportunities. Inflation goes up. The economy is slowing down. Job you know, layoffs are coming right after that. And so what do you see for your future? And if you're frustrated, it's a great way to get involved, be involved on a campaign, go door knock with the candidate, go talk to your friends and family, go host an event for someone at your own home, have mimosas and and muffins, have wine and cheese. Like it's not a really elaborate thing, but it's someone like Tracy who you could hear is so normal and kind and respectful. And, and I'm clearly a big believer in, um, but right. I mean, don't you think like what ways could people help candidates like yourself? Well, it's funny because I've never really had a lot of friends in the political arena. None of my friends actually care much about politics at all, but they love me, right? So I'm really, 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 really lucky. And I think I've sparked a little something in a few of them maybe because 
we've had a few parades and I, you know, I've come on, walk with me, walk with me. And they realize it is fun. You know, we have a lot of fun. We laugh, we meet a lot of people, but there's something for everybody to do. You know, no matter where you are, you can find somebody that you think is a good candidate. You look at their website, you know, they do mailings. Sometimes you help write thank you notes. There is just a wide variety of things. I have a, um, an elderly friend who has a hard time getting around, but he, he can drive. So he drives me from house to house when I do my door knocking. So there's something really for everybody, regardless of how much time you have to offer. But it's it really is fun. And I think people need to see that it's not it's not boring. If you get the right person, it can be a lot of fun. And you meet a lot of really great people. We were at a somebody was having a house party, as you were talking about, for a candidate here a couple of weeks ago. There was a band in the backyard. I was drinking wine. They're like, how's the campaign going? And I'm like, how bad? I mean, how bad can it be? <laughs> right. I, I mean, I'm standing here in Cape Cod. I'm having a glass of wine. I'm listening to a band. I'm like, you know, it's good. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, 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 fun. it's fun. All right. So we're going to end soon, but just because I think this is the most fun fact about you, can you please share a fun fact about Tracy Post? What is something that you do that is, um, I have something in mind, but something that you like to do that is no one would expect if they were listening, you know, you're listening right now. You don't expect this out of Tracy. Hmm. If you don't, if you don't say it, then I'm going to have to lead you. Well, I ride a Harley. There you go. <laughs> she that took my lead. <laughs> that could be it. Yeah, that's fun. Um, you know, I never anticipated doing that either, but I guess, you know, I'm just one of those people that when I just love to learn. Right. You know, I, I rode in the back with my husband for many, many years. He's retired from the military and he found such he didn't start to ride till he was older. You know, we didn't want to ride when our son was young because, you know, if something happens. But I just saw how happy it made him. And, you know, it was years before I would get on the back and I never would picture myself to be that person. But um, after years of riding on the back, he kept saying to me, why don't you get your own license? And I'm like, yeah. But now I do. I've had, I've ridden probably for about five years now. And I just, we have so many friends that ride. We do so much charity. It's great. It's so much fun. All of our trips revolve around motorcycles. Um, I don't know. I guess that would be a fun fact. I, I love that. That is actually my favorite. I mean, I think you are amazing and brilliant and so warm and friendly and kind, but I love that you do that because it is so seriously, it just, (laughs) it's such a fun thing. I think it's, it's great. And it kind of puts you in, I don't know, it like, it's just the complete package that you have. And so I, I, you know what, I do love it, but, um, I appreciate your really, your kind words because that's too kind. I love life. That's really the secret. I really, really love life. I'm very, very blessed. I have absolutely no complaints. Like I said, I love where I live and, you know, we do our best always to leave the place a little better than the way we found it. And um, I think that's all of our responsibility. So everybody does it in their own way. And for me, this is my passion and that's what I want to do. I love it. Yep. We need to leave a little bit of a legacy. And that legacy sometimes is maybe just tweaking the world a little bit, tweaking our communities we're encouraging someone else to go out and do something phenomenal. So Tracy, where can we find you? What is your website? My website is tracypost.com. It's very simple. T-R-A-C-Y-P-O-S-T.com. Excellent. And I'm assuming there is a donate 
but in there. Oh yeah. Well, you know, now that you brought it up, <laughs> there is. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I wouldn't do my job if, uh, if I didn't make a little plug for you on the donation end as well. Tracy, it has been a pleasure to have you on with me here on Political Contessa. I'm so happy you joined. Oh, I'm so happy you had me. I really, really appreciate it. And I really appreciate talking to your listeners about something that I'm, I think we're both so passionate about. Definitely. And we wish you all the best come November. And when you are elected and you are the next representative from Barnesville, I would love for you to come back on, talk about the end of the campaign because it's mid-campaign right now and it definitely will heat up. But when you are elected, I would love for you to come on as our newly elected woman from Cape Cod, Massachusetts, talk again. And it has been a pleasure. I am Jennifer Nassour, your political contessa. Remember, it is about pocketbook issues. It is about kitchen table issues. It doesn't make you a bad person to your liberal democratic friends. If you want to discuss things that are important to you and your family and your community. So go out there, make sure you have those conversations. Doesn't have to be contentious. Just talk about them. And maybe you will change one person's mind come the election this year. Thank you very much for listening. Stay happy, healthy, and safe. Thanks so much for listening to Political Contessa. For all the ways to listen and to get the inside scoop on what's happening in center-right politics for women like us, head over to politicalcontessa.com. 